0: welcome to another episode of the mma lock cast i'm your host manpreet aka mma lock of the night and your boy on twitter at MMALOTN. this week we're going over ufc fight island 2 which is headlined uh, by davison figueredo and joseph benavides fighting for the flyweight belt for a second time as obviously you guys know davison figueredo missed weight the first time won the fight but doesn't get to go home with the strap uh, Couple that in with an inadvertent headbutt um and here we are Uh, they're fighting for it again so luckily for joseph Benavirus he's able to get another shot at that belt uh poor guy just so many missed opportunities in the past um but here he is to get another chance to to redeem himself uh with this fight um i'm i'm excited for it you know davison is always really fun to watch uh and hopefully to see him come away with the gold this time around is even more worth it um a couple other intriguing fights throughout the card but the one uh, you know a sleeper fight that i'm really looking forward to is davy hamosh against um uh, armin sarukian that should be a great fun fight uh but before we actually get into uh the, the the breakdowns Let's just go over my last event, which was UFC Fight Night, or, sorry, U- UFC Fight Island 1, which was headlined by Calvin Cater versus Danny Ige. So you might as well start off with that fight. That was my lock in the night play. I had 4.5 units at minus 269 on Calvin Cater. That hits for a plus 1.67 units. But I also had 0.5 units on him at minus 125 to win inside the distance. Danny Ige's Hawaiian pride and Hawaiian toughness comes through once again. And he's able to see the, the judges' scorecards. But without, you know, getting absolutely wrecked in that fight. Uh, also had one unit at minus 132 on Jimmy Rivera. Uh, that cashes for 0.76 units. Very mystified as to how that line was so close. Um, and then uh, hit, uh, miss my dog than then I play on uh, the under 2.5 for Tim Elliott and Ryan Benoit. That miss at plus 140. And then my other dogger. than then I play plus 131 one unit. Uh, on taylor santos versus molly mccann i'm you know i'm mystified as to why people were so high on molly mccann how that line got to where it did just as the 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 deanna Belbedo one ridiculous like i I'm, I'm still truly mystified that so many people were high on both of those women molly mccann too guys molly mccann god i love i love you guys i there's a bunch of Good friends that I have that make prediction videos that are, you know, touts and and and, and uh, handicappers that bet on Molly McCann. Love you guys, but God, that was bad. That was bad. I'm sorry. That was bad. All right. I'm going to shout up about that. So we end the event plus 2.74 units for a 37% return on investment. Solid showing, that's two straight winning events now, thank God, Uh, and we're looking to hit number three. And just a reminder, whenever I hit three straight events, my fourth and preceding events uh, are paid picks. Um, there are plenty of different ways of getting my picks, um, but again, this uh, for this weekend, uh, the picks are free, so you don't need, need to worry about that. Uh, the best way to get my picks and the cheapest option to get my picks, and not to mention just the picks, uh, the breakdowns too. As you guys notice, once you guys trying to start seeing the videos, um, I pre-record them. And as soon as I finish recording them, I put it on the Patreon. So check the Patreon out. It's five bucks a month. Super cheap. You guys get a best bets article, which lets you know which bet to bet on. Or sorry, the, the best bet for every single fight. Uh, you get all the picks, like I said, uh, a part of that subscription. And then you get super early access for all the breakdowns for uh, that I release on this podcast. But you guys get them first. Um, and then, yeah, you guys have direct access to me to ask me whatever the fuck you guys want, whenever the hell you guys want to. All right. That's pretty much it. Let's uh let's get into the breakdowns for this card, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Sergey Spivak versus Carlos Felipe. We got minus one seventy-five on Sergey Spivak, plus one fifty-five on the UFC newcomer Carlos Felipe. So let's start off with Carlos Felipe, eight and zero. Uh, this is the first time he's fighting since two thousand and seventeen. He's had a couple of fights booked. I believe he popped on uh with USADA. I actually do want to confirm that before I throw out any allegations or anything like that but that's why i believe he hasn't been Yeah, he, he got suspended for two years um back in 2017 now here he is making his ufc debut against sergey spivak uh, there's not much tape on carlos which is why it's really hard to to really have a a feel for this matchup uh but the the, the limited footage that is out there it kind of just you know insinuates in both fights the guy just likes to throw hammers <laughs> like the guy is he's a fighter you know well when you watch his fights he he likes to taunt his opponent a bit even if they're like stepping backwards at all like not like a full out like stick your tongue out and all that type of stuff but like a you know just come on where are you where are you going let's let's throw down where are you going um he seems like that kind of fighter and when he throws, he throws with ill intentions, like he he has a lot of pop on his shots, um, technically he's not the greatest, uh, you know, in terms of the mechanics of his striking, but it's still, uh, you know, at heavyweight, it doesn't really matter, like, just ask Francis Ngannou, technically, and mechanically, Francis Ngannou isn't the greatest striker, but with God-given power like that, he can turn out anybody's lights, and Carlos Philippe, not saying he has Francis Ngannou-level type power, but he does have some power behind his shots that can make it very difficult for a lot of his opponents. Sergey Spivak, on the other hand, I know he has been finished quickly by Walt Harris in the past, but I believe he's somewhat durable. Like, he ate some good shots from Tai Tuivasa, ate some good shots from Taibura, and he was still chugging away. Uh, obviously, he got the victory in the Tuivasa fight. Lost the Taibura fight just due to, you know, Taibura just being the overall better fighter. Uh, here I think he'll have more tools in the shed than uh, Carlos Philippe I think that uh, we'll see him uh, kind of stick around on the feet and then wait for a perfectly timed takedown and part ju- and try to just uh, you know ride out on top my concern here is that Carlos Felipe seems like a very strong individual as well too he seems like a guy that if you know you do take him down he wouldn't have that much trouble getting back to his feet without even using anything like technically correct from a jiu- Jitsu standpoint um, there's just so many like question marks in this fight. Like We, we don't know what kind of Carlos Felipe we're going to get uh, with him being out as long as he has. Uh, Spivak is just such a, a random bag full of tricks in terms of what he's going to do or how he's going to look. Um, it's hilarious every time i watch spivak tape it's just like it's like an overgrown draco malfoy slash dracula wannabe just the way he looks it's hilarious that hairline is like a a solid hairline too it's probably the most meanest hairline that i've probably ever seen but uh getting back to his actual fighting style um you know that 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 our triangle choke that he landed on Tai to you know, Tuivasa pretty much just put himself in that situation too. Like he was in a good spot to to defend the choke as they were up against the cage. Um, and for some goddamn reason, Tai Tuivasa, you know, moves to his left away from the cage, giving Spivak enough room to get into that half guard position, uh, or sorry, that side control position to complete that choke. Um, you know, if he had just, if Tuivasa just kept his right hip up against the cage and just, you know, tried to keep. Uh, yeah, as least room possible for sergey spivak to really sprawl out and get the full torque on that choke he probably still would have been in that fight but it seemed like he just legit gave up um you know, didn't want to tap in front of his home crowd either, which is why he decided to go out to but it was a solid win for Spivak, uh, but tied to Ivasa, that just not a good fighter in my opinion. Has a ton of good knockout power and and is decent on the feet, but that's probably where it stops for him. Uh so with Spivak and, and Philippe, I just don't know what to expect. It's uh, I'm thinking that Sergey again, he's gonna play around on the feet a little bit, just enough to get Carlos comfortable on the feet, and then he's gonna go for a takedown and try to, you know, either go for a submission or just ride top control and try to suck out of Philippe uh so that the second and third rounds are a little bit easier he doesn't really have to worry about getting knocked out or anything like that and he could just ride it out that way but at minus 175 I'm definitely not willing to to risk my money to find out if that's the type of game plan that Spivak intends on going into this fight with um Yeah, this is a stay away fight. Totally, even the under one and a half or under two and a half. I don't know. Like we don't know if we're going to get a conservative Spivak who does get the top control and and does you know try to ride it out that way, or if we get the Spivak that does get top control and is looking for the finish the entire time, or. Carlos Philippe just goes out there and starches him within the first minute. No idea. I need to see Carlos fight maybe one or two UFC fights before I feel like I can get a proper read on him. And obviously, those fights need to be at least longer than a round, longer than three or four minutes, so we can see what he truly has. Um, but up until then, I'm staying away from betting a fight with Philippe in it. And again, even with somebody as sketchy as Sergei Spivak, that there's there's no need to, to to risk money on this fight but i'm gonna go with sergey spivak to win this fight um I'll say by decision. I say that he takes him down every round and just rides top, uh, maybe lands a bit of a, a, a ground and pound finish or a, or a, or a submission finish. But uh, I'm not I'm not confident in it at all. Um, I need more tape on Carlos to really get a good read on him and and figure out if he is uh you know if he's beatable. He's eight and 0 all currently, uh, and two what exactly are the routes to victory against a guy like him? So. In my opinion, it's the takedown, which is we which we've seen from Spivak before. Crafty takedowns, crafty crafty uh, hip tosses, um, you know, leg sweeps. He has them in his uh, in his in his arsenal, but I don't know if he'll be able to get a a thick boy like Carlos down with some of those ch- uh, tricks. So um, I'll still go with Spivak to win this fight by decision, uh, but not confident in it at all davi hamosh versus arman sarukian we got minus 200 on arman and plus 185 on davi hamosh uh let's start off with hamosh here coming in as the underdog so these guys were actually scheduled to fight uh before this whole COVID thing went down i believe it was for the ufc 249 no sorry it was uh april 11th card whatever that one was scheduled to be but um yeah, that was one of the highlights in terms of one of the fights I was really looking forward to once UFC 250 got canceled um, or initially canceled. Uh, but yeah, when, when we thought we were still going to get the next three uh, events, this was the one fight that was really sticking out to me just because of stylistically how these guys clash and, and, and how they're... Um, uh you know how, how their skills will match up against each other so like i said starting off with davy how much the guy's a high level jiu-jitsu player like super super high level mix that in with his strength uh and his durability this guy's a problem for a lot of people um we, we we've seen some flashes of brilliance with it you know maybe not so much against a guy like john gunther and and nick Hine, who's a little bit more uh tested uh but Austin Harbor he was he was not able to get the finish in that fight um, the Mahachev fight that was uh, his second loss in the UFC uh, that that was a fight that primarily you know took place on the feet at least, uh, not until the last uh, half of the se- uh, third round, where Machtiev got him down and ha- pretty much held him up against the cage, uh, or at least pushed his head up against the cage. So uh, D- Davi wasn't able to really get off any type of uh, offensive jiu-jitsu from there. Uh, that's pretty much the only place you can be safe with Davi. You know, um, he's very good with throwing up arm bars, uh, going uh, rolling for heel hooks. Uh, very, very impressive with his jiu-jitsu, which is why. The- you know, that fight pretend or more than likely took place on the feet due to, you know, Islam not really wanted to put himself into danger and then Davi not really able to get Islam down. Um, and I think that's going to kind of play similarly in this fight against Arman because Arman is, I think, a slightly worse version of Islam. And even that, I think he's still above, like, he'll still be like a, a top 10 fighter. But the kid's still very young. Armand's only coming in as a, I believe, 23-year-old. Yeah, he's 23, born in 96, which is absolutely mind-blowing. But uh, he did lose to Islam Makachev in his first UFC fight. And then he comes back and beats Olivia Obama-Mercier, which upon rewatching was a lot closer of a fight than i than i had remembered uh obama Mercier did a good job of staying on the feet uh you know stuffed a ton of takedowns uh had a really successful second round hurting arman a couple times and you know that that fight really started to sway me uh, more and more away from wanting to bet arman in this fight even at that minus 200 range Now, I expect this fight to still play out relatively the same as the Islam fight, as I think that Armen is probably going to try to keep this fight on the feet for the first two and a half-ish rounds, and then really start to implement his grappling at the latter half uh, to really secure the victory. But I think he does have a really good uh, advantage on the feet, Um, training over at Tigranweight side, spends a lot of time with Piotr Jan as well, who's now the Bantamweight champion, um... You know, he, he shows good uh, techniques when it comes to the striking realm. Even in his fight against Islam Makachev, you know, he he did have a lot of success with the striking. Um, again, these guys are two grapplers, two strong grapplers and... Uh, I expected to put, take place on the feet for the majority of it, and with that said, I think that Armin has the advantage on the feet. And Davi almost doesn't really throw much volume. He pretty much just looks to 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 take your head off. He doesn't really care if you're going to try to take him down because he believes that his jiu-jitsu will be good enough to to, to submit you anyway. Um, so that you know, it's kind of like the Sergio Morais, the 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 hani Yaya type of fight, the Damian Maya type of fight, if you want to say that. I think that Davi probably. Uh, possesses way more power than those guys which is why he throws with such uh such heat whenever he does uh but man that's only going to get you so far you got to really be aggressive with your you know with your striking closing in the distance pushing up uh pushing guys up against the cage and kind of dragging them down from there uh but i i don't see him having the advantage here in terms of getting armand down i think armand will do a decent job of keeping this fight on the feet um You know, I I think Davi has a better chance of getting Armin down than he did Islam. So there is that little bit of, uh, you know, hesitancy here in terms of uh, being fully comfortable betting Armin here. Uh, I still think that he's going to win. I still think that he'll get the better of the striking exchanges and then pull away with a decision victory later in this fight, which is why... uh, yeah, I'm going to take Armin to win this fight by decision, but I'm not 100% sure in terms of wanting to actually bet him. Minus 200 is not that bad of a, a range for a fighter that has a ton of potential, but again, when you have guys like, it's kind of like the, the Ben Askren thing, and I'm not comparing Armand to Ben Askren in terms of you know the wrestling credentials and, and overall fighting style. Obviously, Armin has the better striking than Ben Askren, but when you have the, the two strengths going head-to-head, and you, and you need to use your strength uh, against the opponent's strength, I'm not the most, um, you know, I'm not the most uh, comfortable with those situations. So again, I, I do expect it to play out on the feet, but I'm not willing to to risk my money to find out if that's the type of strategy that Armin's going to go with. Uh, but I do think that he will have the advantage on the striking side of things um and then later in the fight with well, the grappling side of things when davi is a little bit more gassed uh but yeah i'm gonna go with armin to win this fight by decision uh and i think this is a great fight for him at least in terms of you know continuing to grow as a fighter getting the experience that's required to be a successful ufc contender uh and you know getting a, islam makachev in your first fight that's crazy and the fact that he made it somewhat competitive a feather in his cap his his stock only rose in that fight even though it was a uh, his uh, uh his first loss in the ufc comes back and wins a solid fight over olivier obama mercier and now to get Davi Hamos under your under your belt as well that's very impressive so i like that they're taking the slow and steady approach with armin because he has a ton of potential it seems like could be he could be a very marketable fighter as well once he really starts to get into his own and he's young he's 23 you know what i mean there's there's no rush with this kid just just let you know keep feeding him these middle tier guys um skilled middle tier guys so that he can continue to gain the pro- appropriate experience uh to use in his uh, you know in his future f- uh, bouts uh but yeah i like armin to win this fight i'm going to say by decision um but it's, it will probably end up being a pass for me and probably just going to sit back and enjoy it as a fan Amir al-Bazi versus Malcolm Gordon. We got a pair of newcomers here. We got minus 165 on Amir and plus 135 on Malcolm Gordon. Let's start off with Amir al-Bazi who has... A 12-1 record, his only loss coming to former UFC vet Jose Torres in a somewhat closely contested fight. You could say it was 1-1 going into that third round. And then uh, Jose Torres was able to take over with a bit of his striking and a little bit of grappling um, to really steal it away from Amir. And Amir kind of looked uh, puzzled on the feet when he was uh, fighting Jose Torres. And if you watch the rest of his fights, it kind of makes sense because he's more so of a, a grappler, grinder, Um, tries to, you know, overwhelm you with his wrestling, and he does a decent job of looking for the finish whenever he's on the ground too, whether it's ground and pound, whether it's a choke, whatever it is. He's very good at, uh, you know, going for those... um, Uh, for those submissions the one concern i will say is his kind of his competition leading up to the ufc outside of the jose torres fight which is the one that he lost jamie powell seems to be the most uh, or the decent the most decent opponent that he's faced six and one uh he fought last time around ryan curtis five and one um but some of these guys that he's going up against have a lack of experience which is something that malcolm gordon has a ton of 12 and 3 coming into this fight. Malcolm Gordon is somebody that I'm very familiar with as I uh, worked a couple shows uh, that he fought on super early on his career. fighting Series 6, I was a part of that way back in 2012. Uh, Substance Cage Combat 1, he actually beat a guy that was from the gym that we had. Uh, and then obviously he's been fighting a lot in the on Ontario regional scene. Uh, you know, racked up some good wins. Chris Kalaitis was a great win of his i believe that was post uh oh no sorry that was before chris kaliris even made it to the ufc uh he had losses to randy turner and austin ryan who were both you know randy turner was more so on the tail end of his career uh and then started going on a losing streak uh, from that but he was a huge uh name within the ontario scene coming out of ottawa and then austin ryan was another up-and-coming prospect uh from the west coast that he uh got tko'd by um Dimitri Wardenberg, that's another guy. He seems to have a salty record, but he's been around the uh, the game for a while in this Quebec and Ontario scene. He was eleven and seven going into that fight. I don't think Wardenberg's fighting anymore, so he did cap off his career at thirteen and eight. Fought a ton of uh, high level guys, but Wardenberg was one of those like savages on the regional scene that. You know, maybe not have made it to the big stage, but was uh, one of those guys that was, uh, you know, definitely putting a beating on a lot of guys. And he had the he had the size advantage here against Malcolm Gordon. And he also had the striking advantage, which is why he was able to get the finish uh, after, you know, chopping the legs down of Malcolm Gordon. Malcolm is, you know, it's pretty straightforward with him in terms of what he's looking for. He's looking to implement his jujitsu. Uh, he tapped out Yanni Sherbatov last time around, who was, again, former tough guy um, uh, on the ultimate fighter. I believe that was the, uh, the flyweight season, the uh, champion season. And, uh, you know, he, he managed to tap out Yanni Shcherbatov. Very, very uh, good feather in his cap there. Uh, the James Mancini win was a big win for him, too, because Mancini is a pretty good uh, wrestler himself. Uh, salty record again, 5-3. and three, But a guy that ha- is very accredited with his wrestling. <coughs> Apologies. But, uh, yeah, he did uh you know he he wrestled all over the world he wrestled for uh some of the olympics as well too i can't remember exactly which one uh but he's a super high level wrestler um and malcolm gordon was able to get the submission so the thing here with this fight is i believe that albazi is going to be looking to implement the, his wrestling and try to outpower malcolm gordon but that kind of plays into gordon's game of trying to implement his jujitsu. i'm not 100 percent Uh, sold on the fact that I think that Gordon will be able to get the submission. Uh, but the fact that he'll be able, or he'll at least be in his realm of comfortability, uh, being on the ground that leaves the opening that for him to, to get a submission, um, you know, he he's just recently started training with uh, Bazooka Joe Valtellini, who is another guy from the Toronto area, so he's starting to sharpen up his uh, his tools on the on the feet, as that seems to be where he has the most trouble. al um, Albazi doesn't seem to have the greatest striking, uh, at least from everything that we've seen. He just likes to go for the takedown and pretty much grind out his opponents. Uh, I, I believe that we will see al try to, you know, land some damage on the feet before taking the fight to the ground, as I believe he knows that it will also be very uh tricky for him to 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 win this fight uh just from the top position knowing that malcolm gordon is going to be threatening more often than not um you know i like that gordon's been training with uh Valtellini and trying to sharpen up those tools uh we'll always have the mma you know canadian mma legends and vets like sam Stell, chris vordesky and uh, mark hominick in his corner at all times uh he was one of the f- uh you know, started up young with uh, Sean Tompkins, who's uh, who passed away recently, not recently, but it's been several years now. Uh, but he was one of his prodigies before uh, Tompkins passed away you know he had a ton of steam coming into his mma career and he has just not let up it's 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 awesome seeing him you know pretty much develop from his first ever fight first ever pro mma fight and now you know finally making it to the ufc under weird circumstances obviously he came in as a short notice opponent uh and now he gets a short notice opponent as well too so um you know both guys coming in on short notice uh i'm gonna side with gordon here and i'm trying to keep bias out of it but i wasn't really impressed with what i saw on the feet for albazi and i do think that he's going to have to lean on his resting here to, to get the victory uh but again that plays into gordon's game so i like gordon to pull off a submission here um i could see him reversing and sweeping uh albazi um probably getting a second or a third round choke uh but another thing might be to to look for here would be the the fight doesn't go to decision which i believe is minus 105 so that, Yeah, minus 105, it'll probably be lined at two and a half. So maybe the under would be, uh, you know, small plus money. That might be something I'm looking at. But you guys already know how I feel about betting on newcomers. And even though I'm familiar with Malcolm Gordon, you know, just betting on newcomers, even if they're fighting each other, has burned me too much in the past. I might stay away from this fight. But the under is probably something to look at if you're looking at betting this fight. Uh, But in terms of making a pick, I'll go with Malcolm Gordon to win this fight by third round submission. Brett Johns versus Montel Jackson. We got to minus 220 on Jackson, plus 180 on the pikey. Let's start off with Montel Jackson, who seems to be a very promising prospect. He's 9-1. and one. His only loss or professional loss came to Ricky Simone in his UFC debut. And after that, he strung together three straight victories, a Dark stroke over Brian Kelleher, and then two decision victories over André Sukumtat and Felipe Kalatis, Uh who, if you guys remember that fight, you know he showed a really good chin on himself and uh you know Kolaris took a huge beating and it seemed like Montau Jackson kind of gassed himself out in those first two rounds trying to put Kolaris away um you know that 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 seemingly gave me a little bit of pause in terms of thinking that Montau Jackson had a trash gas tank but if you really pay attention to those first two rounds man he put a lot into those shots to try and put, uh, away. And he just was not, you know, successful in doing so. Um, you know, between rounds two and three, he looked like he was going to cough up a lung or something. Like he He looked so gassed. He was resting his head up against the fence. Uh, yeah, it looked really bad and his corner could tell too. Like, we just need five more minutes and you, you got this in the bag and he did a decent job of going out there and, and performing well in that third round, even though he was as tired as he was. Um, you know, the the guy, there's no doubt about it. It looks like he has a ton of potential. He has a ton of skill. Uh, good wrestler, has a crazy frame for this division. Um, his hands, as they say, are like bigger than Francis Ngannou's, which is crazy for a 135er. Uh, the guy's grip strength is ridiculous too. Um, his strength alone is ridiculous as well. His hands are stro- slowly starting to come together as well. We can obviously tell that that is his, um, you know, that's his uh that's his his wrestling is his forte and his striking is kind of just stringing on uh behind that and i feel like it's going to slowly get better on a fight-by-fight basis and this fight against brett johns though brett johns is a you know, scrappy fighter, uh, a grinder, kind of like a Jack Shore type fighter where he's always just going for the takedown, looking to, to out-control you, out-grapple you, uh, grind you down, and then eventually submit you or break you later on in the fight. And he did that for a really long time. You went 15-0 before running into Aljamain Sterling, who kind of has a similar build to Montel Jackson, but I'd say he's the the, the better jujitsu jitsu player. I'd say Aljo's the... Slightly better striker, but uh, he's not really like a technically sound striker. He's more of a a flashy. He's you know a lot of kicks and all that. Uh, Jackson throws kicks, but just not as uh, as much as Aljamain Sterling. Uh, I'd say Jackson's hands are slightly better than Sterling. Uh, And then after that, uh, Brett Johns went on to lose to Pedro Munoz in a fight where Munoz just kicked Johns' legs off. Uh, It was crazy and then after that he comes back uh, gets a very emotional victory over Tony Gravely last time around uh, we saw him kind of breaking up afterwards because he, you know, he, it was his first ever loss that he incurred to Aljamain Sterling then he lost another fight uh, so back to back losses and then finally snapping out of that uh, winless streak I'm sure it was very emotional for him and uh, it was a very uh, big thing for him to accomplish especially getting a finish as well that must have been a, a big feather in his cap as well so now in he comes against another uh, Uh, highly touted prospect in montel jackson but uh you know he'll probably be out credentialed in terms of the grappling and the wrestling here but his heart and his cardio uh may be the difference maker here and throughout the week you can definitely see the love that brett johns is getting because the odds initially opened at minus 295 for montel jackson got all the way to minus 190 and now he's back down to roughly around the minus 210 minus 220 range but a lot of people are starting to recognize that brett johns probably has all the tools that are required to beat a guy like Montel jackson if we look at that fight with Montel jackson and ricky simone his only loss you notice that ricky simone is just the, the the far more active guy the stronger guy too which probably played probably played a part in that you know um I I'd say, you know, Ricky Smorn is one of the stronger grapplers out there, uh but he just uh you know, just absolutely outpowered Montel Jackson in that fight Uh, was always a step ahead of him Uh, Jackson landed a couple good shots on him too but nothing too crazy Uh, and Ricky Simone was able to come out with the victory I don't think that Brett Johns has the the hands that Ricky Simone has Uh, I obviously think that Jackson will have the better hands here but it's going to come down to the pace and the pressure that Brett Johns is going to continuously put on Montel Jackson and last time around we did see when the pace did start to pick up Montel Jackson start to slow a bit in that third round and if Brett Johns is in your face that entire Fifteen minutes, you gotta assume that that third round is gonna look a little shady for Montel Jackson. So going into this fight, I or going into researching this fight, I really thought I was gonna come out on the other end wanting to bet Montel Jackson, but that that small. You know, Brett Johns pretty has everything. Pretty much has everything that I want in a fighter that I'm looking to bet, which is solid wrestling ish, uh, a good grinding style, and solid cardio. And those are the things that are keeping me away from Montel Jackson and potentially making a small play on Brett Johns. Uh, I can't believe I actually said those words, but you know, he has all the all the traits that you need. You know, um, I'm kind of bummed that I didn't bet him in the Gravely fight. Even though that was quite closely contested, uh, but I think Brett Johns will be able to survive, you know, a round and a half with Montel Jackson while pushing the pressure, while pushing the pacing, making this a very tiring fight. And I think that at the end of the day, that's going to be the difference maker. It's just his his grittiness and his willingness to 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 con- continue to push the pressure. He's not going to let Montel Jackson really breathe, and I think that's where Jackson will start to run into some trouble. Um, I think with the, the the line slowly turning towards back towards Montel Jackson, I'll probably wait for that plus 200 on brett johns and probably play like 0.5 to 0.75 units on him uh as i think that he has a solid chance of winning this fight with just his again grit uh cardio and his pace and pressure so uh yeah again i can't believe i'm saying that because i am a high on montel jackson but i think that johns has a good good chance of squeaking out two or three rounds strictly doing being the, the the more aggressive and 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 the guy with the better cardio. So, I'll go with Brett Johns to win by decision. And it's possibly going to be a bet too. Uh, Yeah. So, Brett Johns via decision. Joe Duffy versus Joel Alvarez. We got minus 350 for Duffy and plus 290 for Joel. Let's start off with the Spanish El Fenomino. Joel Alvarez, 16-2. and uh, Coming off a victory over Danilo Beluardo. he got a victory uh via ground and pound that was a fight where uh we saw him get taken down a couple times uh he used his striking very you know decently um until uh, Danilo was able to get him down he got him down in the first round uh alvarez was able to threaten a couple times with the submission wasn't able to lock anything up and then in the second round once again Danilo got him down with relative ease i must say and then uh got swept uh and uh you know joel went out there and actually just got a quick finish once he got that reversal um you could make a slight argument that it was a little bit of a quick stoppage like danilo was still all there um but yeah he was eating a lot of shots without really intelligently defending himself so i can absolutely understand the the the, um the the stoppage there, but uh, in the Demir's Magula fight, he got absolutely outclassed. Demir is one of the top guys in the UFC, and it's unfortunate that we don't get to see him even more often because the guy is super talented. I think he's going to be a top five guy, so a loss to Demir is not the worst thing in the world for Joel either. Um, here though, with Joe Duffy. You know, Duffy a great boxer. He he had a he stepped away from the from MMA for a while to go do boxing. Then he came back to MMA, uh, came into the UFC, uh, strung together a couple good wins, and then he ran into Dustin Poirier, who was able to get the better of him. Uh, and then after that, uh, strung together two wins, lost to James Vick took off a a little bit of time lost to mark da casey and now again he's coming back after a year and four months off uh due to a rib injury he said it was really bugging him uh during the last two fights especially the mark da casey fight um i try not to read too much into that because pretty much every fighter comes into fights with injuries so um you know duffy can say what he wants about him being injured but now is his time to go out there and really prove it um after reviewing the tape on both of these guys, I'm I'm kinda like I'm picking Joe Duffy to win by all means. My only concern here is the fact that the line is a little bit too wide. Uh minus 350 is a little bit crazy. If he is in the minus two hundred, minus two fifty range, I would probably have absolutely no qualms about pulling a trigger here on Joe Duffy because I believe uh, and he should as well, too, especially with him trading over at Tristar. Even during this whole pandemic thing, he was over at Tristar Um Training with Faraz and those guys, and you got to believe that the game plan here has got to be to go out there and take down Joel Alvarez and implement his jiu jitsu, especially considering how easy it seems to take down it is to take down Joel Alvarez. The guy, ha- his takedown defense is pretty much non existent. Um, Duffy has fought James Vick, who is roughly the same size as Joel Alvarez in terms of being a, a very tall, uh, uh, I believe this fight's at lightweight. I just want to confirm that, yeah, uh, just being at lightweight, uh, very, very tall frame, but it's nothing that Joe Duffy hasn't seen before, and we saw Joe Duffy start to come on a little bit in that James Vick fight before he got caught with that slick uppercut from James Vick, uh, and then, uh, you know, was put out, again, another roughly quick stoppage, like, Duffy was pretty much back to his feet, he wasn't really protesting the loss, he was obviously hurt, uh, but man, like, he had one second to survive before going into that third round, and who knows how that third round would have played out. But uh, he uses leg kicks very well. He His boxing is just very, very underrated. And I think a lot of people are just writing uh, off Joe Duffy now. Um, just due to, you know, too long. He hasn't won a fight since Hazem Adati back in March of 2017. But that's just due to his inactivity. Unfortunate losses to James Vick and Mike D. Casey, who looks like a new fighter now too. Um, but I, I think this is an easy fight for him. My, again, my only concern here is playing him at minus 350 and above is just not something that I want to do. I prefer that minus 250 range. Um, I have been seeing a little bit of love for Joel Alvarez out there, so I wouldn't be surprised to see this line come down a little bit. Uh, but I don't know how long how long I will wait for it. Maybe until like a couple hours before the event time, I'll see where he's at. But I think Joe Duffy gets the better on the feet. Um, very slick boxing. Again, huge background in it i think as an actual fighter too uh or as actual let me get what his uh box record is shout out to box rec pretty much the topology of the the boxing world yeah he's seven and oh two ko's his last one was a when was that 2013 was the last time he fought in boxing but yeah, I I just think that his path to victory is going to be getting the takedown as soon as possible and start to work his jiu-jitsu, which he has caught numerous people in the past with. Before he has a ton of uh, submission victories on his record, especially one to Mr. Conor McGregor uh, back in uh, November of two thousand and ten. Uh, but yeah, I like Joe Duffy here. I think he is the better fighter. And if he truly is at 100%, doesn't have any nagging rib injury or anything uh, you know, looming over him. Uh, listening to his interviews as well, too, he seems very motivated. He knows that's a shit streak that he's been on. He's not fighting to his standard, as he calls it. Uh, but yeah, I think Joe Duffy goes out there, puts on a statement, gets Joel Alvarez down, and probably gets the submission probably first or second round. So Passing on him at the minus 350 range, not even entertaining Joel Alvarez at that uh, plus 280, plus 290 range. Uh, I think Joe Duffy gets this one done, but yeah, I gotta, you know what? What's the Joe Duffy inside the distance? Let's take a peek at that. The under two and a half is plus 145. Joe Duffy by submission is plus 405. Joe Duffy by TKO is plus 375. And Joe Duffy inside the distance is plus one seventy five. So, I'm plus one seventy five is not bad considering I believe that he will submit him. Uh, but again, even if he gets like the back or something and decides to go with the ground and pound, I would rather go with the inside the distance than actually picking the Duffy submission prop. Uh, yeah, I, I'd I'd probably consider the Duffy inside the distance plus one seventy five. That's not a bad number at all. But yeah, I'll take Duffy to win this fight by first round submission, uh possible TKO, ground and pound. But uh yeah, the 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 takedown defense of Joel Alvarez is very concerning, especially if you're going to back Alvarez here, but I'm I'm going with Duffy by first round submission grand dawson versus nad naramani we got minus 230 on grand dawson plus 190 on nad naramani let's start off with naramani he's coming off a loss to mike grundy earlier last year and it's been quite a long time since we've seen him in the cage it's coming up on uh, a year and Four months now since we last saw him in the cage, he was scheduled to fight Nick lens back in January, but had to pull out due to an injury. Here he is against another wrestler and grappler himself, in Grand Dawson. And the intriguing part of this fight is going to be to see who is able to actually implement the wrestling effectively, uh, or if this fight is mainly going to be a striking battle. Um, I feel like Grand Dawson will have the slight cardio edge, but I think both guys have shown in the past that, you know, if they're putting on their grueling grappling pace, that they will slow down a little bit in the third. So I expect both of them to have a bit of a pace in this fight. But what what's scaring me away from Grand Dawson here is I believe that it will be a striking battle. And if it ends up being a striking battle, uh, it could be a close fight. And we've seen some very, very sketchy judging uh, since this whole COVID thing began. And, you know, maybe it's the lack of crowd, whatever the hell it is. Uh, judges are starting to get uh, some of these fights wrong. And when you're looking at a fight like this, you got to believe that it's going to be closely contested. And even if it gets to the grappling positions, I think that Grand Dawson has the better jujitsu. So he might be able to control those positions a little bit better. But man, Nad Miramani looks very, very strong. He could easily, you know, his strength could come into play here and make it difficult for grand dawson to to really get his jiu-jitsu going but uh you know it'll be the second and third rounds where things really start to get interesting uh but you know going into this fight i i wanted to to come out with a solid reasoning as to why i should bet grand dawson but i'm still not sold uh on uh, dawson especially in this matchup if he was going up against a striker then maybe i'd be a little bit more willing but Nad you know he has shown poor takedown defense in the past uh so i believe dawson will be able to get him down but i could see this absolutely playing out on the feet too um, I'm going to still side with Grant Dawson I think he will get the better of uh, the exchanges whether it's striking I think he'll have the slightly higher output as well and then again I, as much as I think that this fight will mainly play out in a striking realm if it does hit the ground and does start to get into the grappling realm I, I believe in Grand Dawson's jiu-jitsu a little bit more than I do in uh, you know the, the, the wrestling and the strength of Nadine Armani and he has been training at Team Alpha Male, I'm not 100% sure if that's where he still finds himself even during this COVID thing, let's just take a quick look over at it, it has uh, over at his Instagram to see where he's been training at, but yeah, most of his training footage has been coming from, um, yeah, it's definitely not Team Alpha Male, he's training with a bunch of guys over in England, it seems, Robbins, not 100% sure, where that is, I believe that is England. But uh, regardless, um, you know, Team Alpha Male training would have been very, very helpful for him, uh, considering that Grand Dawson likes to really go for submissions, especially the guillotine and dark chokes. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Grand Dawson here. I'm gonna say him uh, to win actually by decision as well too. I could see a late finish for him potentially, maybe some sort of choke. But I do like Grant Dawson in this uh, spot. I just think he's a little bit too big of a favorite for a fight that could potentially be played. Uh, out a little bit closer, and you know the judges might get involved, which makes things a little bit trickier. So I'll go with uh, Grand Dawson to win by decision. But in terms of a bet, uh, maybe in a parlay, but probably not as a straight bet. So I'm going with um, grant Dawson here to win by decision. Hadis ibrahimov versus Roman Dolids. Um, I might be butchering how to say his last name. I wish I actually got that information first before I started recording this. But regardless, we'll go with Roman and Hadith. Uh, We got minus 147 or minus 150 on Roman and plus 140 uh, on Hadith. Uh, the under two and a half is currently around minus one fifty-five, which is what I believe is the rightful play here. Uh if you were to make a play on this uh fight. Uh but either way, it's it's a pass. Both guys are, you know, scrappers. They're 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 guys that want to go out there and bang. These are guys that actually enjoy fighting like they really want to fight i think more so roman than cadiz if you watch roman's fight this guy fights this guy just loves to go in there and bang he doesn't really have anything outside of like a a jab and a and an overhand right um you know he does like to throw an uppercut every now and then but more often than not this guy just likes to go in there and bang and try to try to get a knockout as soon as possible there's not really any takedowns or anything in his game. Uh, the only diversity I've seen in his game is that, you know, he's pushed guys up against the cage and kind of tried to knead them and suck a little bit of energy out of them. But outside of that, like he likes to stand in the middle of the cage, uh, likes to jab his opponent, and wait for his opportunities to go in and then just throw a bunch of heavy shots. Um, it's you know luckily for him he's going up against a guy that kind of fights similarly <laughs> like you, if you remember a hadith's fight with ed herman he tried to pretty much clinch fuck him against the cage for the first little bit and then after that they're just throwing bombs in the middle unless ed herman was the one that started to initiate the clinch games there's no takedowns in either of these guys i'm not sure if either of them are even looking for it i think roman just based on you know what you see in the cage uh, you can tell the kind of te- the type of fighter that he is, and the kind of fighter that he wants to be known as. And with that said, like it's more than uh, you know, it's more than likely that he wants to go in there, make a name for himself right off the bat by just taking Cadiz's head off. So I could definitely see a, a possibility as to why the under two and a half should be uh, something that should be played. With that said, though, both guys are somewhat durable. Like they can eat some shots and then their, their activity kind of wanes every now and then. So there might be, you know, dead spots every now and then where they're just circling, circling, looking at each other, throwing jabs here and there. But they're not really the type of guys to just go complete berserker mode and and try to take your head off. They, 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 they're slightly calculated, but calculated is a little bit uh, of a of a term overused in this uh, or or with a little bit too much meaning in this matchup. Uh, They look for their spots. They try to find it and they try to take their opponent's head off. I have absolutely no play on this fight there's there's no reason to this should be a little bit of a shit show of a fight so you might as well just sit back you know crack a beer and just watch this fight as a fan but if you you know you guys are obviously coming to this to this uh breakdown to see which side i'm actually leaning towards i'd have to go with roman a little bit i think that he has slightly more um uh he'll have the slightly better gas tank and that's even just saying a little bit too much uh slightly more power as well too um you know and then just as his, his aggressiveness and ferocity within within the cage i think it would be able to intimidate a guy like cadiz uh, especially after spending at least five minutes in the cage with him so i'm gonna side with roman here um you guys know me i don't like playing or betting on uh, guys making their ufc debuts but even if this was a second or third fight in the ufc i'd probably probably pass on it i need to see a little bit more diversity from his game compared to just jabbing 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 and then i'm gonna throw this overhand right and hope that it knocks you out uh his i believe it was his last fight uh against Michal. where was that uh Michal pasternak uh that was about two years ago that was his last fight just under two years ago um he he put him out with the beautiful spinning back fist like he threw a front kick and then just spun into a spinning back fist and it just absolutely crumpled Mihal there uh, and he followed that up with some aggressive ground and pound um very impressive but again he's just looking for that one shot to to put you out and if he doesn't find it which doesn't seem to have happened at all in his career he's only he's been outside of the first round two times in six fights so uh that's that's something like you you gotta look at how the UFC has looked to match him up ever since they signed him back in twenty nineteen, I believe it was. Um uh scheduled to fight Gadzimirad Antigolov, that's a guy that has shit cardio. So they're probably hoping that he survived that first round that would be able to knock out Antigolov after that if Antigolov wasn't able to get the finish in the first round. Vinicius Mohea, another guy you know shit gas tank really good jiu-jitsu if he's not able to get the fight to the ground Dolids would probably be able to knock his head off and now this fight against Khadiz Ibrahimov which should bring a little bit more fireworks since uh, Ibrahimov would seem to be a little bit more inviting of the striking game Uh, but yeah I'm gonna side with Roman here to win this by second round ko maybe even first round ko he wants to put on a show he wants people to remember him uh and especially in a in a venue like like the fight island venue that they got going on he gets like direct access to dana white so i'm sure he wants to make a little bit of a name for himself um and yeah hadis is just not the, the the greatest fighter out there either um so yeah i'll go with roman to win by second round ko uh but just pass on this fight this could absolutely just turn into these guys staring at each other for three rounds and throwing pot shots every now and then and then when they do throw big they just miss and you know they just don't have the cardio or exertion levels to be able to actually follow up on those big shots so i'll go with roman second round ko but yeah this could be a shit show of a fight too askar askarov versus Alexandre pantoja we got minus 185 on pantoja Plus 170 on Askar Askarov. Let's start off with Pantoja. He's coming off a impressive victory over Matchnow last time around where he dropped him with a beautiful overhand right. Uh, pretty much plan of now who on himself was on a pretty impressive streak up until he ran into Pantoja. Uh, and now Pantoja has pretty much gained his momentum. Before that, uh, Pantoja actually lost to Davison Figueiredo who, as we know, is main eventing this card uh, fighting for the flyweight belt. So to have a loss to a guy that's actually fighting for the belt, or, you know, is probably the uncrowned champ, even though he missed weight the first time they fought, or the first time Figueredo fought for a belt, um, it's, it's you know, it's, it's nothing to really uh, worry too much about. Um, you know, before that, he was on a three-fight winning streak over Brandon Moreno, o- Lucas Sasaki, and Wilson Hayes, all very impressive performances, two of those being finishes, and now... Here he is once again getting a finish over Match now in the first round. Uh, this fight against Askar Askarov is a little is going to be a tough one, and I believe that the line should have been slightly closer. Uh, Askarov has a bunch of uh, experience overseas. Uh, obviously, he's in the UFC now. He's had two fights in the UFC. Uh, he got a gift of a split draw. Against Brandon Moreno, that was a fight where I had Askarov as a locker than night play. I was so confident in him. You know, I, I've never really been a Brandon Moreno believer, but that fight definitely made me a little bit more of a believer of him. I thought Askarov was going to be able to go in there and actually just light up uh Brandon Moreno, have get the better of the grappling exchanges, the striking, everything, and Moreno showed the fuck up and pretty much gave uh Askarov a run for his money for the entire fifteen minutes. Even with money on Askarov, I believe that Brandon Moreno won that fight. So, in my mind, Askarov is currently 11-1. and 1. Uh, Let's take that fight out of the equation. He's coming off a victory over Tim Elliott at UFC 246 this past January. And that was a fight where Tim Elliott just had the stupidest game plan possible. You know, that third round, he absolutely gave away. Just walking forward, hands down, mocking and, and enticing Askarov to, to hit him. But... Elliot was throwing nothing in return how the fuck do you expect to win a fight if you're you know telling your opponent to hit to hit you he hits you and then you don't even bother countering or doing anything in return so that was a bit of a gift of a fight for Asgharov Ismail in my opinion but this is a fight where he's going to get a legitimate test against Alexandre Pantoja, who's probably top five in the division uh you know, winner of this fight possibly gets a title shot too that's that's something you got to think about uh with the the repercussions of of the, the the fallout of this fight i think that uh pantoja has a slightly better stand-up um i think he has the better jiu-jitsu as well uh askrov has been uh you know, it's interesting that he's the underdog in this fight, uh, or as as big of an underdog as he is, because uh, I think he can make it competitive. His striking is not too far behind Pantoja. I believe he might have the slight uh, cardio advantage, too. This guy's gone five rounds a couple times. Obviously, this is only a three-round fight, but the pace that he'd be able to push might be able to, 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 to maybe push Pantoja to the brink uh, of his cardio as well too um it's hard for me to really get a read on this fight man like I'm uh, I'm picking Pantoja to win uh but it's just such a tough fight to pick I'm not sure what kind of Pantoja we're going to get uh again I believe that he'll be the better striker but I don't think it's a wide margin that he's the better striker um and then even if this fight gets to the ground you know Askarov has shown a little bit of um flaws especially in his timeli and brandon moreno fights uh when it comes to the ground so maybe that's where pantoja can really take advantage but he can really only take advantage when he's the one in the top position if he's not able to secure that top position then it gets a little bit dicey um ascroft does a good job of getting out of those bad positions uh which is why he's undefeated at this point uh so it's going to be uh you know pantoja is going to really have to work to keep uh Askarov on his back um and I think that's where Pantoja would be most successful, is if he got this fight to the ground. And, you know, Pantoja doesn't seem to be the, the hardest to take down um you know Elliot got him down with uh, some beautiful hip tosses and uh you know he really he he wasn't able to capitalize because I doesn't i don't think he tim elliott has the 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 top game that pantoja has so if pantoja is able to get this fight to the ground with you know a hip toss or a leg sweep or a double leg, whatever it may be uh i believe we'll see him to be a little bit more successful than tim elliott uh again this fight's going to be a pass for me the line is a little bit too wide if he gave me Pantoja around minus 130 or so I'd be a little bit more intrigued but I'm not even intrigued by the 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 plus money or the the sizable plus money that we're getting on Askarov here I do like Pantoja I think he'll win this fight by decision by just grinding this out uh getting the better of the striking exchanges and then just being a step ahead with the with the grappling uh but this is a tough test for both guys um yeah I, I want no part of this in in terms of money wise I don't want to stake on either side but I do like Pantoja I'm going to take him to win this fight by decision and uh he's probably going to be next in line so whether it's Davison or Joy B uh they better watch out because Pantoja is, is definitely on the way and even though he lost to Davison like I said earlier um I I could see him ha- making improvements and him uh having a better performance this time around or the second time around against Davison if it ends up being him but we're talking about this fight. I'm going with Pandoza to win by decision, but wouldn't be surprised if we see Askrov pull off the upset. Ariani Lipsky versus Luana Carolina. We got minus 120 on Lipsky, plus 100 on Carolina. There seems to be a little bit of action coming in on Luana, hence why this line is starting to close. I believe that Lipsky opened, yeah, Lipsky opened around minus 120, got up to minus 110, down to minus 120 now. Uh, I actually just placed a bet on Lipsky at minus 112 on Pinnacle because I was beyond surprised that we got that uh, price tag for um, for this fight. So let's start off with uh, Luana Carolina, first and foremost. She's 6-1. She's coming off a victory over Priscilla Casuera. Her and uh, Lipsky were scheduled to fight on numerous occasions, and now they're finally getting it done on Fight Island. Um, we've seen Luana Carolina, obviously, once in the UFC, like I said, against Priscilla Casuera. And for those of you familiar with Kashura, you guys know what her kind of fighting style is. It's just you know, what her nickname is, The Zombie Girl. So you guys can probably figure out what kind of game plan uh, Priscilla normally has, which is just march forward, swing bombs, hope to land one of those A-bombs, and and uh, and really put, put their opponent out, just like she did with Shana Dobson last time around. She wasn't able to do that against Luana, and Luana did a decent job in terms of you Know consistently moving, landing shots from distance, uh, landing good head kicks as well, too, which Priscilla pretty much just ate like lunch. Um, you know, Luana, she she shows decent aggressiveness on the feet, uh, with her Muay Thai as well. Uh, she shows some uh competency on the ground as well, too, whenever the fight was there. You know, she was locking up triangles, going for arm bars, uh, but it didn't seem like anything that had much on it, uh, which is why she wasn't able to get the finishes in those fights. However, you know, she seems to do her best work on the feet, but even her best work, though, it doesn't seem that polished. Like, it doesn't seem anything that's too, you know, um, uh, technical. It's it's more so to throw it out there, and she could absolutely out-volume her opponent, and she could absolutely beat her opponent up, up just like she did against Ke- uh, Priscilla Cashwara. you know um, Cashwara again just zombie like moving forward pretty much being a, a moving punching bag and Luana did a good job of continuously moving evading the big shots and landing her own shots um, cashwara obviously still landed on her which is why we still saw some uh, damage on Carolina's face uh, which is a little bit of an attribution to um, the the, the 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 progression that luana still needs to make you know she she does do some defensively things kind of a little bit uh bad um you know she holds her chin a little bit too high especially for being a tall fighter that doesn't really help uh and we'll definitely see the difference in terms of technical abilities here against ariani Lipsky. Lipsky, on the other hand you know she's very She's very polished. You can see it with her combinations, the way she throws them. Uh, she she's very calculated about how she's throwing the combinations. Her downfall in the UFC, at least, has been when it comes to th- to the grappling game, and when opponents decide to to clinch her up against the cage and start to take her down, and and you know uh, get her into thinking that it's going to be a striking battle, and then taking it into a grappling rim, uh, realm. Realm. Uh, it's hard for me to see that Luana going that way. Um, I'd be surprised to see Luana actually go out for a takedown or anything like that. I think she's going to try to keep this on the feet and, you know, uh, believe that she'll be able to outstrike Lipsky. In my opinion, she's going to be in for a rude awakening. Uh, you know, great leg kicks from Lipsky. She holds distance kind of well. Um, her, her punches are just so much more well-rounded and, and more technical than Luana that it's, it's just surprising to me that the odds are as close as they are. Um, I like Lipsky here, hence why I made the one point two unit bet on her at minus one twelve odds. I thought the odds should be, you know, minus one sixty, minus one seventy five for Lipsky just due to talent alone and skill alone. Um, yeah, again, nothing has really shown me in the past that Carolina wants to, you know, initiate grappling exchanges and and try to beat her opponents that way. She's always just, you know, trying to strike. Trying to outpoint uh, her opponents, but when she starts eating that and those leg kicks and and those punches from Lipsky, uh, she's really gonna she's gonna feel it. And I think that she's just not you know, um, she's just not refined enough in terms of uh, securing high, uh, good enough takedowns to get Lipsky to the ground to really turn the tide back uh, her way. So I I like I like Lipsky to, to, to pretty much win this fight on the feet. Um, it's going to be hard for me to see a way that Luana goes out there and strikes her or outstrikes her. Um, it's hard for me to see Luana even getting a KO. So I don't even think that she's going to be able to land any type of hail mary, uh, you know, strike that will allow her to get the KO here. But yeah, I like Lipsky to win this fight enough to to bet on her. Going into the, the studying this fight, I I thought I'd come out like, okay, I'm just going to stay away from this fight because it's probably a split decision written all over it. Uh, but once you really look at the technical abilities of both women, Lipsky is much much more refined and she'll have a, a ton more success. Exce- uh, success, in my opinion, as long as we see, uh, as long as we don't see Luana go out there and turn into some sort of wrestler, which I don't think we will. So. I'm going to go with Lipsky to win this fight by decision. I wouldn't be surprised if she does get a finish in the third round or so uh, after she just paused on uh, Carolina for, for that long. But yeah, I like Lipsky to win this fight by decision. Mark D.A. Casey versus Raphael Fiziev. We got minus 160 on D.A. Casey, plus 140 on Fiziev. Let's start off with D.A. Casey, who seems to have a little bit of a career resurgence. He came into the UFC highly touted, and then he went on a three-fight losing streak against decent guys. Jakar Close, Dan Hooker who just recently main-evented against Justin Poirier, and then Nazrat Hakprast, who himself has started to uh, come upon uh, tough times. But since then, he's strung together two victories over Joe Duffy and Lando Venata, and fights where he showed a little bit of a different game plan. In his pre-those pre, pre those fights, um, uh, before those fights, he would pretty much just show like a Muay Thai type of game plan, uh, mainly using his hands, um, you know, he was always the quicker puncher, um, faster striker, uh, decent leg kicks. Uh, But more so, his hands were what he was using the most. But since the Nazra-Hakpras fight, the Joe Duffy fight, and the Lando-Vanata fight, you see that he starts to emphasize the calf kicks a little bit more. And we saw a perfect example of that in the Joe Duffy fight, where it was just calf kick after calf kick, and then just hide it, hide it, calf kick and both Duffy and Venata were not able to find or to figure out the best way to to defend against those um and they were pretty much rendered defenseless after that first round and even though uh D. Casey wasn't able to get the finishes in those fights he really really heavily damaged those guys and put on a spectacular performance because again those leg kicks really open up and or sorry those calf kicks really open up a lot for the rest of the game plan of anybody pretty much I'm surprised that more fighters are not taking that approach. There are the fighters that are, like the Chris Gutierrez, who most recently got rid of uh, Vince Morales, where he pretty much stopped him via calf kicks. And I believe there was another one, the event after. can't recall off the top of my head, but if you really focus on those calf kicks and you can hide them well, uh, they could be very, very beneficial for you. In this fight against Rafael Fiziev, though, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher for uh, DKC to get those uh, calf kicks going fazia is a top striker he's a he's a muay thai master if you want to call it that um you know he's a i believe he's one of the head coaches or one of the coaches over at tiger muay thai which has for years now been one of the top muay thai schools in the world uh so you gotta believe that he sees those, those calf kicks and he probably has something up his sleeve to to combat those um his only loss has been to Magomed Mustafayev, which was this crazy spinning back back kick to the head, which pretty much still hit the guard of Fiziev, but was still able enough uh, to generate enough velocity uh, velocity to uh, put Fiziev on his butt, and then Mustafayev followed up with a bunch of punches uh, to to finish off that fight, but... um, if D.A. Casey wants to center his game, game plan around calf kicks, I think it's going to not work out as well as it has in his last two fights. I think Faziev will counter it well. I think he'll be ready for those calf kicks to check them. Um, uh, you know, I think he has fast hands. He's very explosive himself. Uh yeah, I think D.A. would have to go the route of like going into his wrestling. You know, we saw Fiziev pull out his wrestling against Alex White last time around. Maybe he pulls out the wrestling too. I think this fight really comes down to which fighter decides to initiate the grappling because either guy doesn't really have a crazy uh, jiu game or any game off their back, really, which allows for the person that is on top to be a little bit more successful and uh this is another fight where you know going into it i'm like all right dkc from what i remember and what he's shown as of late he's probably going to be a lock of the night play but once you get into the tape and you see what Fiziev's all about um you know you you kind of back off that statement a little bit just as i have so this fight is going to be a stay away fight for me it's almost a a dogger pass situation at this point again plus 140 ish on Fiziev is not too bad for a guy who you know strike for strike could probably be up there with di casey i'm very intrigued to know what kind of game plan he's going to be coming in with uh or both guys which one is going to be you know okay let's dilly dally with the striking for a little bit and then let's uh get that takedown going i don't know which one it's going to be first but uh again i think that uh, fiziev is just right up there with D. Casey in terms of their striking so you got to go if they're you know if the the striking is a wash the wrestling is a little bit of a wash neither guy is a high level jiu jitsu practitioner either um yeah dog or pass in my opinion so i'll go with fiziev here and i'm kind of it, it kind of hurts me to say that because i know that dkc is one of my guys uh newsom's uh probably like one of his best uh, best buddies at least that are a fighter and uh, is managed by that team too but man Fiziev is a beast and, and this is a tough fight I believe he was initially scheduled to fight or D.A. was initially scheduled to fight Alan Patrick before that fight got scrapped within a couple of days of being announced and I thought that was a much better matchup for D.A. in terms of being able to initiate his calf kicks but this one's a little bit tougher for him to do that in my opinion I think Fiziev is going to read that and he's going to be able to counter properly and uh, really make it a difficult time for D.A. and again whoever initiates the grappling first will probably come out on top here so i'm gonna go with Fiziev to win this fight by decision uh but yeah it should be a fun fight while well, it lasts as long as they're they're willing to go out there and gunsling it should be a fun fight uh, up until the point that one of them decides that okay i need to win this fight let's get the grappling aspect of this going on so uh, i'll go with Fiziev to win by decision i think he'll be the stronger one too uh but yeah i'll go with Fiziev. probably won't be a bet but uh, i'm taking Fiziev to win by decision Jack Hermanson versus Kelvin Gastelum. We got minus 110 on Jack Hermanson, plus 100 on Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, very, very closely lined fight. It has pretty much stayed at a pick 'em this entire time. I just want to see what five dimes. Yeah, five dimes opened uh, Jack, Jack Hermanson at minus 120. Got all the way up to plus 125, and now he's back to minus 110, uh, which kind of makes sense. Uh, very, very closely lined fight. Um, let's start off with uh, Jack Romanson who's coming off a loss to Jared Cannonier last time around. Uh, it was in that Scandinavian region. I believe it was one of the first events they had out there. So they were just very happy to have Jack Romanson come out there and, uh, you know, headline for them, especially with the four-fight winning streak that he was riding over Talis Latis, Gerald Mearshart, David Branch, and then Jacare Souza, which was one of his biggest wins um, of his career, I should say and then he comes in against Jared Canonier and gets starched in the second round that first round you know that was a a very interesting round because he he shot for a ton of takedowns and was not successful on any of them uh I believe he did get Kananir down very shortly Cannonier just got back to his feet pretty easily um but yeah that just speaks to the strength of Canonier as well because it didn't even seem like he put much uh technique into the get up it was more so just strength based so he was able to get up pretty easily um but Jack, you know, just from watching his other fights, you can tell that he's very, very strong. Uh, he has a relentless wrestling, uh, you know, strategy pretty much in all of his fights. Tries to outpower his opponents. And his weird, awkward size as well, too, kind of helps with that. And when we talk about size, he's going to have a significant size advantage here against a shorter Kelvin Gastelum. So we're talking about a 61 or a 6 foot 61 inch, 6 foot 1 inch uh Jack Hermanson with a 77 and a half inch reach compared to a Calvin Gaslam who I believe yeah 5'9 with a 71 and a half inch reach so he's gonna have to deal with a lot of um you know th- that size disadvantage obviously but that's not something that Calvin Gaslam is isn't used to you know last time around he lost a split decision to uh Darren Till uh very Kind of an anticlimactic fight, considering what the expectations were going into that. Uh Durant Hill played it very, very safe, kept his range. Uh, was able to shuck off any type of takedown attempt uh, the clinch game was pretty quick in terms of you know getting in and out of it uh, but for the most part Darren Till did a good job of moving around uh, landing the one two shots that he needed to and then getting out of the way of any of the big shots of Calvin Gaslam I don't expect that to, that same type of fight to play out here against Jack Hermanson I think Hermanson just going to go in right from the get-go try to get the takedowns and Gaslam has decent grappling and, and and decent takedown defense but when you're talking about facing a guy like Jack Comanson who's so big probably going to be way stronger than him too I find it hard to believe that Calvin Gaslam will be able to get away from those situations uh, my my concern for Hermanson is going to be his chin. Uh, though I, Kevin Gaslam does pack a punch, I think Hermanson should be okay. He should be fine in terms of evading all the big shots that Kevin Gaslam, Gaslam is going to be throwing his way. But I'm interested to know how the grappling exchanges are actually going to play out. I think Hermanson will have the advantage, like I said, against strength. Uh, he has a great wrestling background as well too. Uh, has some sneaky trips, uh, and then just being as long and awkward as he is, I-, I believe that he'll be able to secure some takedowns. I think he'll be able to keep Gaslam down, but Gaslam has a pretty good get-up game. But we see as the lo- as lo- the fight plays on. He starts to wear down a little bit. That's Gaslam. Uh, if you guys remember his fight with Chris Weidman, that was that was his first fight against like a legit uh, middleweight who was actually like able to, you know, pretty much offer up something in return. You know, Tim Kennedy was way past his prime when he when he fought him. Vitor Belfort, obviously, you know that was post TRT tour so uh you know Gaston was able to get in there and get a knockout pretty quickly but then the Chris Weidman fight you know he had success early with the striking but then after that the size and strength of Chris Weidman really start to wear on him and I think that's the that's what we might see here with Jack Manson who in my opinion you know will be the stronger uh, grappler um uh, even a stronger grappler than Chris Weidman and what he had to offer up in that point in time uh, and I think that Jack is going to be very, very, um, you know, motivated to come in here and, and make up for that loss that he had against Jared Kananier because that really kind of fizzled out the flame that he was, uh, you know, that that fire streak that he was on leading into that Jared Kananier fight. Um, I think Hermansen will do a decent enough job of keeping Calvin Gaslam on the outside when he needs to, uh, but when it comes to closing the distance and getting the takedowns, I think, again, his strength and length and, and size and all that will play a huge factor in this fight. Um, I'm staying away from it, though, from a betting perspective, but I'm not batting an eye at, at anybody that's taking a shot on Jack at that at that even money. Calvin Gaston is just able to pull out victories out of his ass every now and then. You know what I mean? Even fights that he shouldn't go out there and win, he wins them. But this, uh, you know, Hermanson just just brings a a different type of uh, equation to this, a different... Problem that uh, Calvin Gastelum hasn't really faced in the in most recently at least you know Gastelum had that decision victory split decision victory over Jack Ray Souza in a fight where you know Souza was really coming on late uh, Israel Adesanya we obviously know how that fight went down and then again Darren Tell just absolutely uh, you know putting on a, a striking clinic uh, in terms of not taking damage but still dishing out uh, damage here and there Jack Hermanson, again, I expect it to be a completely different fight than anything uh, Gaslam has faced up until this point. And uh, yeah, I like Hermanson. Uh, I'm going to take him to win this fight by decision. I don't think that there's a finishing uh you know side here other than Gaslam probably landing a big bomb uh but I don't see that happening I think it's going to be Hermanson pushing Gaslam up against the cage slowly wearing him out and then taking him down and hopefully this is the last time we see Gaslam at middleweight this guy's really need to he he needs to get his shit together he needs to you know get on a proper eating plan or whatever the hell it is I know he likes to smoke a ton of weed but there's got to be a way of being able to smoke weed still, but eating healthy, delicious food that should help him with his training camps, with him getting his weight down and then making that one seventy pound limit, which is probably where he should be. Let's be honest. Like that's where he will have his most success. Uh, you know, not having to fight guys that are giants, adesanya Till, and Hermanson, back to back to back. That's just a ridiculous row of guys, especially with their size and talent. And once again it's gonna show that uh, you know uh, as talented as Calvin Gaslam is. Uh, you know, size does eventually start to play a part when the guy with the size advantage has just as good of a skill uh, or skill set as Calvin Gassam. So I think that's going to show here with Jack Hermanson. So I think we, I, I will be taking Hermanson to win this fight by decision. Uh, I'll see how I feel about a bet, but I'm just trying to, you know, bankroll management. I already have a couple bets out there. Um, but but uh, yeah, I like Jack Hermanson to overpower and win this fight via decision against Calvin Gastelum. Main event time, we got Davison Figueiredo versus Joseph Benavidez. We got minus 215 on Figueiredo, plus 195 on Joseph Benavidez. So if you guys remember, they already fought back in March or February. Unfortunately, Davison Figueiredo missed weight, and he won the fight, but he doesn't get to go home with the strap. So they're running it back. Couple that in with the... um, you know, the, the, the unintentional headbutt um, that led to the finish of Joseph Benavides. We just have a couple of circumstances that allow us to have this immediate rematch. Luckily for Joseph Benavides, the UFC is more than on board with continuously trying to hand him uh, a, a title. But he just keeps fucking it up somehow, unfortunately. Because I love Benavides; he's a, he's a great guy. Um, you know, he been around the game for a while. That that strap has always eluded him. You know, he has uh, two losses to Dominic Cruz, two losses to Demetrius Johnson, uh, now potentially two losses to Davison Figueredo coming up, and then obviously the only other one loss is to Sergio Pettis in a super super close fight. Uh, especially a fight that had him coming back after an extended layoff. So that's something to uh, keep in mind as well. So let's go back to that first fight. Um, the only play I had on that first fight was the plus 140 on the under uh, 4.5. I thought that uh, either Figueredo would get the finish early or Benavides would get the finish late. Lo and behold, we got the early finish courtesy of Mr. Davis and Figueredo. This time around the under four and a half is lined at minus 165 all the way up to minus 190, and rightfully so. That that first fight showed us a lot of things that would uh that that really you know uh play a part into the the, the under four and a half being as kind of juiced as it is. Um Benavidez, you know, decent fighter overall, but I think it comes down to the fact that he's a little bit wild when it comes to his striking exchanges. Um, that's one thing I really picked up on when I studied that that fight the first time, where I'm like, okay, you know, the under is probably a good bet here just due to how wild Benavidez is when he comes in for his striking exchanges. One thing that, like, the one combination I really pointed out that in that first breakdown was when he rips shots to the body, like, he kind of just wings them like this and it just leaves his face open. And a guy like Figueredo is just gonna, you know, land a bomb right down the middle. Um, you know, obviously, this time around it was due to a headbutt, and that led to the the, the eventual finish uh, by Figueredo with a beautiful right hand that planted Benavidez on his butt. Um, but we, we saw it leading up to the knockout, too, though. Like when Benavidez throws his shots, he throws it in a winging motion. You know, if you're throwing in a winging motion, all the other guy needs to do is just throw the punch straight, crisp down the middle. It's going to beat your punch. And, you know, you're the one going to be eating the harder the end of that exchange. And that's exactly what we saw in a numerous amounts of uh, occasions in that fight. You know, just go back and watch that first round. There's so many times where Benavides is just, just a, a millisecond slower on his punch because he's throwing it in a wingy motion, whereas Figueiredo is just throwing it right down the middle. And Figueroa is the one that's landing. So mix that in with his speed, his power, and his is precision. Figueredo is a very, very tough equation for a lot of guys to solve, um, especially within those first three rounds. We haven't seen him go go the full five rounds yet, um, and I don't think we'll ever see that. Uh, m- maybe we will, but I don't think that this is the fight that we'll see that, which is why I think my locker than I. Not, I think, I know and will be my lock that I play is going to be the under four and a half. I'm, I'm happy to pay the juice on that just because I still think that Davidson is going to come out on the, on the winning end. Once again, I think that he will, uh, you know, land on Benavidez out will pretty much like, like he did in that first round or that, that first fight. Um, and Benavidez, you know, he can't just stay on the outside, the entire fight. He's going to need to, you know, implement some sort of offense to, to start to, 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 to at least score, you know, to, to get the judges score cards if he wants to win rounds but to do that he's gonna have to close the distance and you know we saw in the first fight you know it's tough to get figueredo down uh and even when he gets him down it's tough to keep him there uh i think figueredo for those first three rounds is just going to be a banshee it's going to be tough for benavides to really score anything in those first three rounds he's gonna have to make figueredo work uh whether it's just you know chipping away at his legs from the outside um you know blitzing in with a couple shots he he can't blitz in with those body shots and as effective as the body shots are you can't be doing that against a guy like figueredo who's gonna you know counter super precisely land on the chin and probably put your lights out i expect that to happen regardless you know adding to the fact that benavidez seems to be a guy that's uh even more uh you know he, he seems a little bit uncharacteristic this week like, he, he wants to go out there and kill Figueiredo. Like, he he spiraled the fuck out of control after he lost that fight to Figueiredo. And now he's coming into this fight week saying, I want to kill the guy. You know, I, I went through so much shit after getting knocked out and f- all these feelings that I felt. I just want to go in. I hate the guy. I want to kill him. And we don't we don't hear that from Benavidez often. That's very uncharacteristic of him. So that leads me to believe he's going to fight slightly emotionally. And luckily for underbetters that opens up options for the finish to come on both sides whether it's benavidez landing a picture perfect shot or it's figueredo countering precisely uh, i expect it to be the latter in this situation um the, the under four and a half is definitely there i'm intrigued to know how this fight would go if it gets past the third round because that's where i start to give benavidez a little bit of an advantage i think his speed and his uh winging uh you know striking style won't be as much of a detriment in those later rounds as it would be in the first three rounds um that's where we i think that he could absolutely overwhelm figueredo again though i don't think he even gets past the second round i i, I truly believe that we'll see figueredo land a picture perfect shot within those first 10 minutes to put benavidez on his butt and and get the finish that way um yeah, I, I I love this fight for Figueiredo. I don't really want to play him straight, nor do I want to do I want to play him within the distance in, in case he doesn't get to finish himself, and then Benavidez starts to take over later in the fight and get to finish himself. Uh, but I like uh I like the under four and a half. You know, I don't mind giving up those two and a half minutes. Again, I try to just stick with straight plays or over unders for since that's probably the the majority of uh the bookies that offer those two lines. But I like the four and a half, uh, you know, under four and a half. I I truly think that Figueroa is going to go out there and get the finish. Um, Yeah, just more precise. uh, He's quick, a ton of power, um, just a very awkward fighter too. And he's long as well. So it's hard for Joseph Benavides to really close the distance without eating uh, a heavy shot in return. So I'm going to go with Figueroa to win this fight by second round TKO. But the lock of the night play will be the under four and a half. I'm probably going to take the shot at minus 190. I, you know, I give a value up until about minus 220, minus 250. Uh, but I'm lucky to get minus 190 on bookmaker. If you guys have other websites, um, I, I see it roughly around minus 165, minus 175. Uh, you know, William Hill, Sportbed, Five Dimes is the, those are the spots that you can get that. But there are other bookies that are offering the over under two and a half. I wouldn't feel as comfortable with that. I need that those extra two rounds. So if unfortunately you're not able to get the four and a half, I apologize, but that's the bet that I feel most uh, confident about on this entire card. Like this is a really rough card where uh, a lot of heavier favorites could go out there and lose. So, um, yeah, I, I, the only play I really feel confident about on this entire card is this under four and a half because I expect Figueiredo to get the finish. And even if he doesn't, I expect Benavides to have enough gas in the tank uh, to to drown Figueiredo in those later rounds. So I'll go with Figueiredo to win this fight by second round KO, but the lock of the night play is going to be minus 190 on the under four and a half. Like I said, though, there's there's a ton of other places that you can get a better price. All right, that's UFC Fight Island 2. You know, decent card. Glad they got the title fight up top. Uh, But next weekend is going to be UFC Fight Island 3, headlined by Robert Whitaker against Darren Till. Uh, We got Shogun versus Lil Nog 3. We got Gustafson making his heavyweight debut and coming out of retirement to fight Fabrizio Verdum. Uh, And my boy Movzarev Luav is fighting as well, too. I believe he's fighting Mike Grundy. Am I going to make another play on him, just as I have pretty much every single fight that he's been in in the UFC? Maybe. Who knows? The, the the quickest way for you to find out, though, is to hit up the Patreon, like I said, at the top of the show. Uh, as soon as I finish recording my breakdowns, I post it right to the Patreon. So you guys have first access. Five bucks a month. Super cheap. You get a ton of other uh, content as well, too. You get all my uh, picks, uh, a part of that subscription when I do charge the public. Speaking of which, I'm on a two-event 2, fu- two event winning streak right now. If this one cashes as well too and we end up in the green, the fourth event is going to be paid for the public. But luckily, again, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you get those picks along with the subscription cost anyway. So you don't have to worry about that. And then lastly, so you guys get a best bets article for every event, too, which is pretty much laying out what the best bet for every single fight is. Not saying that I, I bet those personally, but if you are forcing me to bet every single fight on the card, I will tell you, what what my if you put a gun to my head, what I would bet on and what probably has the most value in that fight as well, too. So um, a ton of stuff on the Patreon. Make sure you guys check that stuff out. All right. I'm going to shut my mouth now so you guys can go on and, you know, hop on to another predictions video or whatever the fuck. But I appreciate you guys checking out the video. And lastly, sorry, lastly, hit the subscribe button. I'm trying to hit that 1,000 mark before the end of the summer. We're at 930-ish right now. I'm getting close and close and close. It's so fucking close, I can just taste it. So the least you guys can do for me, if I'm helping you guys making money or if you guys watch my video on a, on a weekly basis, if you haven't subscribed yet, hit that subscribe button. That's the the... the the most I can ask of you guys and I'd be very appreciative of it if you guys did that all right I'll shut the hell up now I'll see you guys next week good luck on your bets this weekend and uh yeah gamble responsibly